0: Where are you and what are you wearing? So our listeners can picture you in their minds.
1: Well, I have just gone for a run and I'm actually just sitting in my running shorts. I've got no top on. I'm, cool. I'm trying to cool down a bit. I'm sorry. Uh, it's not a pretty sight at the moment.
0: Hi. I'm Katrina Blowers, and you're listening to Claiming Your Confidence, conversations where we pull back the curtain on what it takes to live your most confident life. I'm a journalist and TV newsreader, and I've been in the fire and come out the other side. I had a panic attack live on television. <laughs> yep. A few years ago. And the funny thing is, of the hundreds, possibly even thousands of people I've interviewed over the years. Confidence isn't something any one of them was born with. So what separates those who refuse to let that self-doubt hold them back? Let's find out. After a stellar career as a cricketer both in Australia and India and after appearing as a contestant in two seasons of the TV show Survivor, Lee Castledine has talked publicly about a lot of things but never before about confidence and I'm pretty sure not about sticking a piece of bread down his pants.
1: And then they go, no, you put that down your pants just to smooth out the edges. (laughs) And I went, oh, okay, this is so weird.
0: Lee has ridden the confidence roller coaster professionally.
1: When you know that no one wants you anymore as a cricketer, that is is a crisis (laughs) of confidence right there.
0: And personally, highly publicised breakups and losing his mum. In this episode, we talk about it all, including what it's like to date as a single dad. I
1: literally was in a sling. I had this very dirty Movember and I was not in a great place. So for her to actually want to go on a coffee date for me, I thought, right.
0: So here's Lee Castledine, a true survivor, on claiming his confidence. And this is something which I I had on my list to ask you about, that kind of, you have got a reputation now for being a sex symbol, but like it or not. And the first time that happened, how did that land for you?
1: Very uncomfortably, I think. Uh, Like, I think it just came about from the reality TV show because, you know, I was on an island and you know, we just wore nothing for 55 days. So I think the Australian audience just saw me with no shirt on and there's this sort of this myth out there that I just walk around the streets with no shirt on and um, (laughs) I'm I mean, the show was kind to me in a sense that, you know, I was on a pretty good diet of rice and water and, you know, I lost a little bit of, you know, body fat and, you know, you're, you're looking pretty ripped on the island. and um, But then but then that doesn't really sort of relate to the real world because you get back home and you're drinking coffee and you're eating your know, chicken parmigiana and things like that. So, um, yeah, out of – from the show, actually, I, I started to get a few um, – this was a really interesting, you know, topic about confidence because – I had a couple of ambassador roles, you know, one with Jockey, which is a really, you know, famous sort of under, underwear company. And I had to train for it and I had to sit in front of a, uh, in a room and have 20 people look at me while I was in my underpants. That was. Oh my gosh. I was talking, talking about a confidence right there. It was like, oh my goodness. So you're
0: like, just bump up the heating a little bit. It's too cold oh. in this room.
1: I'll tell you what, they, they do do a few tricks, um, uh, you know, with regards to uh, not so much packaging, but they, they, guess what, I'll give you a bit of an insight. They actually shove, <laughs> this is so weird I'm talking about this, um, bread, a, low, uh, a slice what? of bread down, down your pants. I know. I was shocked as well, um, just to smooth things over.
0: Oh, my gosh. That,
1: I know. How weird is that? I don't know. Look, we've probably lost a lot of listeners already, but <laughs> I've, I found it so interesting. So I sat there and I go, okay, what do we do? Okay, these are your pants you got to wear. Okay, just go and get changed and you come out. And I saw this slice of bread. I went, that's weird. I'm not hungry. And, you know, I'm kind of trying to stay, you know, as, as fit as I possibly can for the shoot. And then they go, no, you put that down your pants just to smooth out the edges. (laughs) And I went, oh, okay, this is so weird.
0: I bet you thought someone was taking the piss, right? I
1: thought it was like, okay, I'm going to get punked here. Someone's going to come in. And then it's like this trick that they, they give to you know, sort of brand ambassadors who've never done things like that before and they go, oh, I wonder if he's gonna wear that, you know, put the put the slice of bread down. <laughs> put the slice not the slice of bread, yeah, the slice of bread down his pants or not. And I did it and I thought, is this a G up? And no, they were dead serious. So anyway, I don't know where how that happened, but um wow. how we got into that conversation. But it's all about confidence. It was about me being confident in front of twenty people. I can guarantee you I was not confident.
0: And did they do any like special body makeup or anything to, you know, like contouring or were you just hitting the gym extra hard?
1: Yeah, they gave me the heads up that this was going to happen and I trained the house down for about a month um, just to be in top nick. I thought this is my only chance. The same same with the men's health. I I managed – it was a bit of a bucket list but after the show I managed to get on the front cover of men's health. Now, you know, look – I like to keep fit, but there, there are so many people out there who are dedicate their whole life to health and fitness and that's all they live, breathe and eat. And, you know, I was quite lucky to get the call up. It was just on the back of, you know, the uh, the first Survivor, which was quite popular at the time. And, and so that was another confidence sort of uh, thing I had to deal with, the fact that I was, you know, in every store in, in Australia, magazine store, and, you know, I was on the front cover. So, um, you know, talking about, you know, confidence of making sure that I was fine and happy with the the photo shoot and and being confident of the fact that I was going to be out there amongst everyone else. So, look, there is an ongoing joke about me not wearing a shirt anywhere, especially if I go into a meeting. Katrina, I can guarantee you, I'm not wearing a shirt right now, but that's purely because <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to cool down. And if we were sure, doing a, sure. a podcast, if there was you know if there was a video, I would definitely have a shirt on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're the you're the second Men's Health uh, cover star we've had on the show. Merrick Watts uh, also was on the cover of Men's Health because I think wow. he won he won some kind of challenge. Uh, I think there were a few celebrities who did a challenge, and Mez got absolutely ripped, and oh. he actually had hasn't let that go. He hasn't? He, no, he's, he's really kept up that fitness, especially lately. So, oh, well, yeah, especially with SA,
1: he's on SAS at the moment. I, I can't yeah, believe yeah. how fit he is, you know, and how dedicated and how confident he is as well with, with what he's doing. You know, I, I, you're know, you right, I, I, I only saw him as a you know jovial, happy sort of comedian and I didn't, last time I saw him, he wasn't in any sort of particular great shape, he wasn't in bad shape. But now looking at him on the show, he's, he is, yeah, he's definitely looked after him. It's the same with Guy Sebastian. Guy Sebastian was on on the men's health cover after me as well. And, um, yeah, we, we had a, got in contact with each other. He congratulated me on the show and, um, yeah, so that was nice as well.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I think, you know, people who you see going through those body transformations, you know, and Merrick's really open with it and he was open in, I think he was in episode three of the podcast. If you haven't listened, go back and check it out for anyone um, wondering. But he talks about mental fitness being linked to mental toughness and how the two go hand in hand and it's part of like his, he's got this routine that he does every day where he works on his mindset as well as his body so yeah it's interesting isn't it
1: so important and yeah you can tell especially with the show that he's doing at the moment um he is up there with one of the you know mentally toughest in the in the group and you know whatever he's doing it seems to be working and and, yeah I totally agree with what he's doing you know in terms of the the mental toughness um you know you have to work on that side of things because it you know, some people it does come naturally. Some people it doesn't. For me, it didn't. Um, I had to work on it really, really hard. So, um, but it's something I work and work on every single day. Um, absolutely, that's exactly what Merrick does as well, which is great. Yeah,
0: let let's go back in time and yes. I mean, gosh, your cricketing career unbelievable, and that's I think where you really had to dig deep to learn about mental toughness. But was cricket cricket was your life right from when you were a little kid?
1: It was. That's all I wanted to do. I just, I, you know, I did enough to get through school. Um, My dad actually sent me to a school that didn't have any sport. He thought it would help my my grades. It didn't. Um, (laughs) uh, uh, And all I wanted to do was just play cricket for a living. And I was, you know, and I dedicated pretty much all of my youth um, and, you know, obviously my early part of my life to it. And I was quite lucky enough to make a... A, you know a decent living out of it. Um, obviously, you know when I look back on it, I would have loved to have played for Australia and 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 achieve a few more things. However, my path and my story and my journey was so different from the average I suppose athlete or average cricketer in a sense that I had to come overcome some some major hurdles and injuries just to actually get on the park and play. So yeah.
0: Yeah, you really did. You had. Um complicated spinal fusion surgery and and I read an article when I was uh Doing a search of you on Doctor Google, uh, back in two thousand and nine, one of your friends Ashley Nofke wrote a beautiful piece about you, uh, and he said that one Sheffield Shield match in Sydney, when he dived for a catch and didn't get up, he was in so much pain. But things can change very quickly if you play with confidence and back your own ability, as Lee Castle Dunn has done this summer. It's almost as if he decided he would just back himself. Now this was a time when you had risen from third grade cricket to the Indian Premier League and people just couldn't believe what a comeback you had made. Where did you get that? Where? How did you dig deep during that time?
1: wow yeah it was it's quite an interesting story in a sense that up until you know if we backtrack a little bit before my major operation and the fact that you know i nearly lost my life to a, a really bad infection um as well i had bad sepsis septicemia and I nearly lost my life so not only was i trying to recover from a, a spinal fusion but you know a month or two afterwards I tr- i nearly died from this really bad infection but before that i had a you know, I'd say a pretty just an average professional career I was littered with injuries I had my confidence came as quick as it I lost it as well so It was just a a massive transformation. I I had to work so hard not only with my um, recovery uh, and and so that obviously was attributed to my mental toughness trying to get back. You know, I had to really work hard on my recovery, my rehabilitation. But I think for me, my confidence was... um, was came about from that the fact that I wasn't really supposed to be there. I'd been written off for my career. That was, you know, even the doctor said that's, you know, we do, we're having this operationally so that you can run around with your kids. Um, forget about cricket, forget about everything else. We just want you to have, live a healthy life. So for me to overcome the fact that my career was over at the peak of my time when i was about 27 28 so as an athlete you know you 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 like to start making some moves you know playing at the highest level and things like that so that in itself was was tough to overcome i for me my confidence came about obviously my recovery my rehabilitation and the fact that I love the game so much, and that when I went back to play, I made some major shit changes in my lifestyle. I think before, if I look back on it, I was gloriously imbalanced when it came to my lifestyle. Cricket was everything, and I didn't, you know, I didn't give anything else to. I had no balance. You know, I didn't even have a hobby, um, which meant that I rode every success and every failure. Um, which is great when you're doing well, you know, because that confidence is just sort of compounds and just like a snowball, it just gets better and better. But when you're not going well, um, I had nothing to fall back on and I didn't really have a routine or structure or sort of anything to go back on when things weren't going great. So, you know, previously, as I said, my, my career wasn't fantastic. When I came back, I said, you know what, I'm not supposed to be here. I want to go out. I, I could also play with the freedom that I always wanted to play with my cricket because up until then I was you know in for two games out for two games I had no confidence in my body to execute what I wanted to do and I went you know what if I do make it back I'm going to have so much fun I'm not supposed to be here and I'm going to live every single moment like it's my last and I took that also behind that I, I you know looked after myself outside of cricket I got a, I studied I got a double masters as well so I made sure that when that retirement came or that ending came again that I was in a I was in a safe place and I knew that I could go out and you know enter the real world and get a job so that I had I didn't have that stress behind me and you know as as Ashley said the that year um or well, those 18 months basically went from fourth grade to playing in the IPL so yeah it was just a a, a whirlwind and you know I'd love to have played my whole career like that but I think my journey wasn't supposed to be like that. It was supposed to finish on a on a high note like that, but um, obviously had to work, had to go through those major crises in my life to to try to figure out how I was going to play and play with you know sort of that un, unabated confidence
0: and and joy and what a different energy yeah, yeah yeah and i've heard this said before that sometimes we are too busy striving for success that you know if we get so fixated on things going a certain way or, or it needing to be a success that you know the grasp is kind of so tight that that we're bringing the wrong kind of energy to it it's when you let go and you enjoy the process that's when success will come as a byproduct of that and you're living proof of that
1: absolutely yeah and it's a funny thing because as sports people we get you know we're so goal oriented you know we, we, we sit down we write our goals out uh, we want to achieve them and it's very important to have that not only in sport but in life in general and you know I still have them now even though I'm not playing sport but to enjoy the process and live in that present moment I think living in that present moment really gives me that confidence um, to do the things that you know I wanted to do on the cricket field but also what I want to do you know now in my life as well you know with my business and with my presenting and, and the other things that I'm doing in my life so absolutely you're so right there Katrina you know it's it's trying to enjoy the journey as much as you possibly can in living in that present moment that, that's the key that, it's easy said though it's very, very hard to achieve it very hard to achieve because sometimes you feel like you're not moving forward and you're not getting closer to your goal so you you know um, you, you, you move away from that present moment but I tell you what when you have that energy it's always um, when you're in the present moment.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now our mutual friend Jed Smith told me that I have to ask you. Well, first oh, no. of all, he said he said call him Les because he's got this amazing story to tell. Oh. <laughs> so Les, what's the story?
1: Les Kazdin. Um, well, this is talk about <laughs> talk about confidence and, and a shattered shattering confidence. Uh, Katrina, um, my career was coming to an end, and uh, there was a couple of T20 competitions. I'll try and keep this story short because normally I tell it on the road with other other cameramen and presenters and stuff like that. But in short, I was hanging on to my career. I played a couple of T20 tournaments around the world and I went into an auction in Bangladesh. Um, and I thought this is, this is my last chance to keep my career going. Um, you know, if I can get over there, I can play a few games and you know, maybe sort of string my, my career out for another six to 12 months. And I went into an auction and my name came out and there was it was a live feed. So I was sit, sitting home watching it in front of the computer and they said next up on the auction is uh right arm off spin, which I'm not a right arm off spin, I'm <laughs> left left arm off spin, and a left hand bat from Queensland. I went, that's a bit strange. Is, I don't know anyone from Queensland, you know, <laughs> right. Up. And they go, Mr. Les Casdeen. I went, who the hell's Les Casdeen? What the hell? Who's Les Casdeen? And then at that moment I looked at the lists because I obviously our names come out at a certain time and went, Holy shit, that's me. I'm Les Kasdeen. And the look, the, the, the camera panned around the room and it was like a, probably 10 tables, all franchises. You know, I was hoping to get into a bit of a bidding war, you know, maybe, you know, maybe make a bit of money and get over there and play a bit of cricket. <laughs> oh, God. No one lifted their hand. No one even knew who Les Kasdeen was. Um, and I just put my head in my hands, uh, closed the laptop, and. <laughs> And just, I think oh. I went into the fetal. I think I, I think I went into the fetal position uh, in my bedroom. I thought that's my career. My career is over. And so for now, whenever I call someone, <laughs> they, oh, my iPhone's called Les Caszine. So it's a, it's a, gen, gen, <laughs> it's a, it's a gentle reminder of my uh, of the end of my cricketing career, which I look back on uh, with a bit of laughter. But talking about confidence, when you know that no one wants you anymore as a cricketer, that is uh, that that <laughs> that is a. Crisis of confidence, oh right? Oh my
0: there. gosh. So. And I love I love that it is, you know, a really funny story now, but at the time, oh my oh. goodness, what a blow. <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, you know, there's there's that they call it limelight deprivation syndrome when you step away from a role yes. that has really defined you. And, you know, many, many high profile people, politicians, etc., have spoken about this. Did you have a bit of that when you walked away from cricket?
1: it's kind of funny like cricket when I finished up it it probably didn't have the um the media attention that it does now especially with a big bash and and social media so I stood I I I stepped away from it um with with relatively ease I think the you know we call it contracting irrelevance syndrome as well so it's very similar Mm. um but for me it was not so much from the public it was probably more so from the sport itself you know when you're not needed not required um you know uh, it's probably you know on a lot lesser scale but they're the people that you probably uh look at the most um you know you, know, you respect the most so it, when your chosen field uh doesn't want you anymore that that hurts, you know what I mean? Whereas I suppose, you know, for example, when I finished Survivor, I knew there was going to be a huge media influx and then it was going to die off. I, that was aware I was aware of that. I was probably um, it didn't bother me all that much because the people out there were just, you know, fans and they move on to the next show or the next thing that they want to. So it's probably more so the people that I respected and I liked and were probably some were friends and, you know, some were acquaintances and things like that 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 probably hurt the most when you're not really irrelevant in that field. You know what I mean? Um, mm. That probably hurt the most. But uh, yeah, but you know, the, obviously the, the the survivor that was probably tenfold of when I finished when I finished sport. You know, that just that came. And and some of the some of the people on the show really struggled with it because you know they were thrown in the limelight. They loved it, and then all of a sudden they lost it as quickly as they had it. So I was. I was fairly prepared for that and I knew that was going to happen, but some of them who hadn't played sport or been in that position before really struggled and it took, them, it took them a lot of time to to recover.
0: Now, I love your reason that you gave for going on the show. You said you wanted to show your boys that anything was possible and it was kind of, you know, talking about confidence, it was a symbol of being a really confident dad and a confident man. What I'd love to know because you've been in season one and season five, is that right? The celebrity survivor? Yes. I'd love to know what was the most surprising thing about going on survivor that you didn't expect?
1: Oh, there's so many. I think the first season was just such a shock to the senses. I really didn't know what I was in for. You know, for me, I just love the challenges and I I get a lot of growth uh, personally from. From from doing a lot of challenges and putting myself out of that comfort zone, so that was that was obviously um, what I was really looking forward to. I didn't expect how tough it was going to be, like especially the first season. we were pretty much guinea pigs. You know, I went back uh, last season and played the All Stars, and, and that was a lot different. Um, but I think from a from a living perspective, how tough it was, you know. But again, it just you know you get through that, and now especially with the year that we've had. You know, I know that I can survive on rice and water, uh, and live in live in a shelter if I need to build one. Like that's at worst case worst case scenario, I can do that. But um, I think also how what surprised me is how how people sort of related, or well, not so much related, how they actually thought they couldn't go any further, but they did. Um, you know, I found it fascinating the different types of people that they chose you know there's a couple of ex-sporties like myself they have office people who have never been in the jungle before in their life they have athletes they have politicians but you know sort of accountants so they have this collective mix of people and I just found it how interesting how tough some of those people were but they didn't know they were because they'd never put themselves in that position before and then they came out of it just thinking I can do anything you know their, their confidence grew so much because they were sort of forced in this weird sort of uh, situation and they had no other choice but to survive literally survive and they came out of it so much stronger for it as well so I found that fascinating just looking around at the different types of people because you know I think when we look at these shows you, you think that the the ex-athlete you know or the ex-army person has it a little bit easier or they know how to plan and prepare but this game was so different from just your physical stuff. There was so many mental barriers that you had to go through, you know, especially when people try to vote you off and the social game, um, the physical game, there's so many different elements to the game and, and you if you come out of that, um, you come out of it so much stronger, you know, sort of if you want to relate that to the real world as well. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm Katrina Blowers and you're listening to Claiming Your Confidence. Still to come, breaking up in the spotlight and dating again as a single dad. And the confidence challenge Lee is working on right now. we were mentioning before how much your profile just exploded after season one of Survivor and and of course a big part of that was you met someone on the show who you ended up having a relationship with which in itself having to see you know scrutiny of your relationship and public interest in your relationship in the papers must have been something bizarre but I'd love to chat to you you've gone through a divorce as well and you've spoken about being a single dad I'd love to talk to you about how you navigate all of that and uh do you you have shared custody
1: yeah i'm i'm so lucky i've got such a great relationship with with my ex and um you know and we work really hard for the best interest of the boys and you know where we have shared care but you know um my ex is she's a police officer and obviously with me and my travel and my business as well so we're constantly helping each other out as much as we possibly can. You know, and she's got the keys to my house; I've got the keys to her house. So we have a, an amazing relationship, and you know, we've worked we've worked hard at that. And um, I think you know, we just have you know the best interests of the boys. You know, they've got two amazing homes that they go to. Um, you know, uh, if they want to if they want to pop over for a couple of days, even if they're you know supposed to be in uh, in, in Max's uh, sort of custody. You know, that's fine also we just we just work together as uh, like a like a really good like i was a really good couple we're not a couple but we, <laughs> we work it, we work it a bit. yeah we we do and, and you know we, we are a family and we're just a different family from from a lot of other ones but we we work really hard at it and um yeah and the boys and and at the end of the day the boys are happy and that's what we want to see you know the boys you know go to her place and they come to mine and we do um you know birthdays and and Christmases and and major events together and things like that and you know you know my ex sat right next to me um at at the funeral of my mum's uh you know funeral so that's how close we are so um yeah it's you know, and that's that's been a journey in itself as well. You know, as a single dad, um, I had to navigate my way being a being a sing, single dad, and that's you know that's that's a that's a tough one as well. And um, you know, sometimes you know you you think you're doing well, and other times you're not. <laughs> you think yeah, I've nailed yeah. this single I've nailed this parenting thing, and the next thing you know, it you go, no, I haven't. <laughs> I
0: know. Yeah,
1: I'm the same. <laughs> you go, oh, I'm I'm, girl, I'm doing all right here. This parenting thing, this I've got this covered. I'm, I'm boys are good. You know, everything's well. I'm, I've sorted this, and next thing you know, it all comes crashing down. So, it, it, <laughs> but um, that 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 is that's been a massive journey for me as well. You know, I think when when I first when I first uh, was with the boys by myself, um, I don't think I would spent a day by all by myself with them up, up until obviously the day that I um uh you know was by myself. So that was just. I needed to make a decision what sort of dad I wanted to be and it was quite easy. I wanted to be involved as much as I possibly could. Um, I didn't want to be a sort of a weekend, you know, fortnightly dad um, and I just based my whole life and career around that. So, yeah, yes, there's times I need to travel and for work and things like that but, you know, I'm quite lucky in a sense. I've got my own business and I can do – I'm still doing school drop-offs and, and – and, um, making sure that I'm home when the boys get home every afternoon. So, even though they probably don't want to drop me, me to drop them off because they get a bit older now, they get a bit too cool for that. But um, yeah, I love it because uh, I know they're growing up quickly and soon they'll be out of the, out of home.
0: Lee, that's so awesome. And I'm also divorced and it sounds like you and I have very similar relationships with our ex-partners, which I know is not the norm from having spoken to a lot of people. But I also want to point out, you know, you mentioned you had to work really hard at it. So did I. And I think sometimes people see the end point of that journey and they think, oh gosh, lucky you, but God, we really had to work at that and put the kids first and, uh, there were many times when I really had to take deep breaths and you know not say what I wanted to say because I knew it wouldn't be in the best interests of the kids in the long run but um yeah I commend you for it because I know what a hard process it is
1: well yeah you're right you've been through it and it does take a lot of hard work and you know as I said the end result is if the boys uh, you know if your kids are happy um know, yeah, and then that's you know, you, you know you're on the right path, and you, you've got to work hard at it. Um, it's like any relationship; you've got to work hard at it, and I think you actually have to work even harder when you're when you're not together. Um, but I was I was I was sort of really um, I, I wanted us to be as close as we possibly could, even though we're not a family. Um, you know, like in, in terms of living together, um, and we've put some really good things in place to make sure that happens.
0: Mm. You've had a really shitty 18 months or so, although, you know, I'm I'm really happy because I follow you on Instagram. I'm really happy to see that you've now found love again. But you haven't just had to go through, you know, the end of a relationship. You've also lost your mum. You wrote something so beautiful when you were talking about your dad uh, and how your dad has also had a stroke and, and amongst many other health challenges. But you said that your dad says two things, uh, fantastic and positive <laughs> attitude god i love that what a beautiful role model
1: it's so funny We're well, off just been going back dad used to be you know this is 40 years ago a, a motivational speaker and going back and listening to him because he obviously lost his lost his speech now he can get out a few words here and there and um you know and yeah you know, he was such a positive person and uh, yes, he would allow himself to get upset, and you know, I think you still have to. But he would give himself a time limit, All right? And, and now he, now he says because he's, you know, he's doing it tough. He's lost the love of his life, um, yeah, and yeah, he's had a stroke, and he's a very outgoing, sort of talkative person, and he can't communicate the way he wants to. And yeah, he, he, when he wants fantastic, let me say this, Katrina. Fantastic doesn't always mean fantastic because when he gets frustrated, <laughs> well, frustrated, he goes fantastic and he'll give us a, <laughs> a, a frustrated smile we have a bit of a giggle but like you know he's positive attitude always and, and even I spoke to him yesterday and he had a tough day and he was missing mum. and um but he'll allow himself you know uh, you know to be down for a little bit and then he'll go no nah, good and then he always says you know and we've we've geez, we've shed a lot of tears over last our whole family has over the last 12 months and um he'll he'll always go two minutes Two minutes. That's another thing he says. So if you if you're having a tough time, give yourself two minutes. You know, have a cry, do, vent if you need to vent, um, and then just righto, what? Let's move on. You know what I mean? So I think that's been great, and I take so much inspiration. He has had a, a tough life. You know, he's had so many health issues, but he keeps keeps trucking on, and um, yeah, he's he's a source of inspiration for me for sure.
0: You mentioned you have like a like you work at this stuff daily, and you've posted a picture of, um, you know, you were at a bit of a low point, I guess, physically and mentally. Uh, you certainly don't look as ripped as you do now. And uh, so, how did you how did you make that transformation physically and mentally? What do you do in the everyday?
1: Well, I think every day for me, there's there's a couple of things. Obviously, I'm a very goal orientated person, and I'll have I'm a great believer in manifesting what you want out of life. And I think the world will open up and give you opportunities for that. If you're, if you're open to it, you need to be open to it. And so I'll have a number of goals personally, physically, um, mentally, spiritually, and things like that. And I'll have a, I'll have my affirmations in the morning that i you know, I'd like to think that I go through every day, but I'm obviously, sometimes you skip, skip a day or two here. Um, you know, for me, uh, in the morning, I practice. For me, I pray, but that can be gratitude, and it's it's a sense of gratitude anyway. For me, I'm a Christian person, so I I pray in the morning and um, before I get up, and uh, in the morning. But it's a sense of gratitude anyway. So you don't have to be spiritual to do that. You just it gets you in a good mindset for the day. I think being grateful for your health, family work colleagues you name it there's a number of things you can um you can think of and I just go through that ritual and routine in the morning and for me I'm always uh you know in terms of what I want to achieve out of the day I've got a number of different things that um different parts of my life so I need to be very careful as to not sort of making sure i focus on one thing at any one time um because you know I, I go from my drone business to presenting to um you know doing some you know physical work as well but for me most importantly i if what i have figured out is if i don't exercise and if i don't push myself to the limit physically now <laughs> that sometimes it comes back to body because i am getting a bit older katrina and some things don't bend and that some things break rather than bend now these days but I want to push myself physically because it's not so much about the physicality of it it's about me being in that mental space of continuing to go when your body and mind wants to to say stop and it'll want to say stop a thousand times but you keep pushing through that and I think I get so much out of that and that's why I throw myself into all these weird challenges like you know obviously two survivors. I did a Kakoda with, with Channel 7 and, and Nova uh, five years ago. Um, I'm looking at another challenge next year. Even presenting, Katrina, presenting is not my, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm naturally confident in it, but it's a challenge and I need to challenge myself. So I see that as a huge challenge. And um, so I put myself into these positions where I need, I challenge myself and I feel so overwhelmed and I figure a way how to get through that and then I come out, of that with so much more confidence. and I love I that because it f- yeah.
0: forces you to grow, doesn't it?
1: It does. It forces you. And so I thought, well, you know, if I throw myself into this, I can't say no. I've got to do Survivor. I'm in it. And I'll, I'll figure a way through it and, and out of that I'll grow from it. And then I just gained so much more confidence. You know, I've gained so much more confidence, I reckon, since I've retired than when I probably played. And that's because I've thrown myself in these different challenges, but they're all different. They're not going back to the same challenge and it doesn't have to be a physical challenge. Um, presenting is totally different from, you know, sort of doing Kokoda, but they're all different challenges and my, my my mind and body needs to figure out a way in which, you know, this means, you know, this thing that I've agreed to, it means something to me and I want to do a good job. So let's figure out a way as to how to get my body and my mind through it and then out of that, he just come out with so much more confidence. So... I, I, I try and chase that stuff. It's not like I'm an adrenaline seeker, but I'm a sort of a uh, a confidence seeker. There you go. How about that one? Yeah, I
0: love that. <laughs> I love it. So, are you super kind to yourself then in the way that you assess your performance when you're learning something new?
1: Or oh, I'd like to be a lot more kinder. I'm. A, I think that just comes from. I think that just comes from being in sport. You're very harsh on yourself as an athlete. Um, You just – built that way. So I think I'm getting better at being kinder to myself. I think as an athlete what you do is you never want to sort of rest on your laurels and sit back and go, I'm doing well because – either you'll lose your spot you know the game will get move on um people will take your spot so you're never in that position where you really kick back and sort of give yourself a pat on the back i'm managing to get a bit better at it this time uh these days but i think it's i think it's this default for me being really critical of myself and i've just got to learn to be a little bit easier on myself <laughs> with that um and it's it's but it's also me being critical as a way of not so much being self-talking you know talking myself down it's righto, what did I do wrong? How can I get better next time at it? Um, so that's probably rather, rather than, oh, I'm terrible at this, no one likes me, I, I, I won't make it at this, whatever. I, I stay away from that sort of self, self-talk that's just destructive.
0: Yeah, and it's funny, um, Lane Beachley, the world champion surfer, she's been a guest on this podcast as well, and she said the same thing that I think her first Six world titles. she said that she won like in a state of fear because she would just beat up on herself and be so unkind to herself and because it worked because it got results she thought that was the only way and then kind of like your cricketing story she just went into the seventh title in a state of joy and just decided to enjoy it and uh yeah transformational for her in her whole life and i just love that story
1: yeah that's a that's a great story and you're right as I said we're so harsh on ourselves as athletes and and probably in real life as well and I think we need to celebrate our wins and also when things go wrong that is a huge opportunity for 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 growth um I tend to only learn from major mistakes and major you know major pitfalls or major things that have happened in my life um you know i I come out of that strong and now i've got a sort of a I knew that when I came out of this last sort of survival with my major shoulder operation and, and losing mum and it was and a, and a big leg infection as well, I knew that I was going to come out of it. It was basically, it was just right, righto, go back into default mode, Lee, how do you get out of this crisis and how do you get out of this? And, yeah, my confidence was shot. You know, I lost my mum. I I had a major tear in the operation, which my doctor said in 30 years of operating, all athletes across Australia, he said this is in the top five (laughs) in terms of operation. You don't do
0: things by halves, do you? (laughs) No,
1: and I had this this mank leg too that I came out from an island with a bad spider infection as well that nearly turned sepsis as well. So I came out of it, it was like all three at once. I thought, right, I've done this before. You did it with your back. You've done it with your, you know, even your divorce. You've done it before. Let's just get down and you sort of default back into that, that mode again. And so... Um, yeah, I like to think that I'm out the other side and uh, the health is good and the family is good. Um, so, yeah, things are going well.
0: I would love to, before we we dive into the final part of our chat together, I'd love to talk to you about dating. How did you find the confidence to put yourself back out there again, especially, Ah. you know, dating before kids and before marriage is one thing, but I think dating as a single parent is a whole new kettle of fish, especially for you when you know that whoever you're dating is likely to end up in the Daily Mail or whatever.
1: I think yeah, this time it was it was it was really interesting. I met I met um, I met Sania at a. I, I literally was in a sling. I had this very dirty Movember, and I I was not in a great place. So for her to actually want to go on a coffee date for me, I thought right, look, I'm not in a great. This is what's happened. Um, but you know, I will get I will get better. So I I I with, with Sania I I didn't wasn't sort of i was just hoping to get through each day with with obviously all the events that was going on in life and i thought you know what let's just go out let's just enjoy have a coffee and sort of see what happens from there and it has been a uh and and yeah you know, she's she's an absolutely amazing person but in terms of keeping it sort of to ourselves i was very protective um of and i didn't want to say i went public i just wanted to you know let at some stage, when you're dating someone long enough, you want to let people know that you're dating, you know. <laughs> so, um, yeah. and I thought, and I didn't. It, it was never an intention to sort of go and, and and obviously there's a bit of interest there. So it made media, and I think also, I think people were just genuinely happy with everything that what I'd been through, that that I'd found someone who's so kind and and amazing, and and she, you know, she's uh, she's a nurse, she's caring. So for me, I was, but I was very protective because I didn't want to throw. Her into that spotlight as well, you know what I mean? Um, and I knew that it was going to die down as quickly as it came, you know, it came about as well. So, and we can, you know, live our live a normal life now, which is great. And things are going yeah. really well. But in terms of dating, um, I think for me, I, you know, obviously I've dated a few times before I met Sanch and it's finding that person because you know you've you've got a lot of things going. Not against you, but I think having kids and having that special person who who wants to be a part of that, I think that's that's the clincher. And you can, you know, someone can come come along and say, "Oh, I love kids," and you know, yeah, it doesn't bother me that you've got kids, and then and then spend a day with you <laughs> with your kids, and then you know, <laughs> oh, you know how I said I like kids. I kind of like kids, but um, <laughs> when I want to see them. So. Uh, <laughs> So that that was interesting, and 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 that's you know, and obviously I've dated a couple of times when and when, you know, girls have sort of found out that that's not what they wanted, and that's fine also, because I, I would never you know to 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 have someone who wants to be a part of your life, and it's you've got I've got two boys, and and they absolutely adore Sanch, and you know when she comes up here and spends a bit of time with them, she just fits in so comfortably, and that's that's a really good sign for me as well.
0: Oh, I'm so happy for you. That's. That is awesome. Well Thank done you. to you. All right. I've got some four, four right. rapid-fire questions that I finish up on. So first of all, what would be your number one confidence tip?
1: Number one confidence tip. Uh, good question. Well, first of all, I think confidence, you can lose it as quickly as you can get it. Um, so when you have it, you try and keep it as long as you possibly can. <laughs> to, to know that it's not always you're not always going to have confidence. Like you are never going to ride this Muhammad Ali type sort of life where you're just absolutely hundred uh, percent in tune with yourself and what you want to do. So when you have it, hold on to it. And it's it's the same as when they said in sport, when you're going on a when you're on a good run and you're confident, try and try and hold that for as long as you possibly can. And you're gonna have times when it all of a sudden you lose it, you know, as quickly as you get it. Um if you are going through that and you can't find it again, and this is probably a long answer to this question, so sorry about that, Katrina. But
0: no, good. I think
1: I think defaulting to some sort of routine is really important. You know, for me, when I present or if I'm um, playing cricket or whatever, you know, I have a sort of a default position so that if I get anxious or have any anxiety or I can't remember my words or my lines or what I'm supposed to do, I default to what I'm supposed to do or something that I've learnt. Um, and that, you know, that, that helped me a lot with cricket. You know, you've got you, they call it routines or, or sticking to your flags. Um, and the longer you can stick to them, um, I think that just gives you confidence as well.
0: God, that's such good advice.
1: <laughs> if in doubt, all that stuff, just act it out. Act <laughs> like you're confident. And, yeah. you're, and, and trust me, you're, you're, if your body does it, you, sometimes your mind believes. Some, some people think that, oh, I've got to believe it and then my body will act it. If you can't do that, act in your body um, and then your mind will believe it as well. So, yeah there's probably two tips there.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And there's science behind that too. And in fact, just to divert for a second, I was listening to, you know, Matthew McConaughey, the actor who's just written his own, which I really want to read. He's just written an autobiography and he, unbeknownst to me and probably a lot of other people, he's a mad keen journaler through his whole life. He has written journals. And he says that when he is feeling flat or things aren't working or he's in a slump, he will go back and look at his journal entries from when he was riding high and he'll unpick what he was doing, like the habits that he was um, developing and cultivating and how he was living his life and then he'll go back and copy those actions and that's similar to what you were just saying.
1: Exactly, yeah. So when you are, yeah, especially when you aren't riding those highs, figure out what's what's happening, you know. like Don't just sort of try and reflect on it and go, right, what's actually happening right now and, and then out of that you'll build sort of a default position so when you do get anxious or you you know you're struggling with something that you can go back on um and that's that 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 is taught a lot in the sporting world as well you know go back stick to your flags what are your flags what are your routines that make you successful and the longer you can stick to them the better so yeah
0: is there a book that you've read or an inspirational quote that's helped you on your way in your confidence journey
1: uh yes um i I'm doing all these QBD book reviews at the moment, actually. I'm reading a lot of books. So I I actually have one that the old man gave me when I was a kid. This is a book. Actually, I've got it right here in front of me. Um, it's a book by Dale Carnegie. Made It was back in 1936, and i made a few copies since, called uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: that was probably my first. It's a very popular book. It's been around, as I said, for nearly 100 years. Um, I think that as a kid, I, I the old man, you know, gave me this book. I went, oh, gosh, you know, there's no pictures in this. It's not about sport. <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason why I wanted it. he gave it to me. Um, and it just helps you get out of, you know, your mental rut, thinking new thoughts. Um, you know, it's about visions, new ambitions, things like that. So I think that really helped me because I was a really scrawny, skinny kid. I didn't have any confidence, believe it or not. Um, and I think that sort of book that he gave me sort of. Um, set me on a nice path to continually trying to improve myself. I think um, that's 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 a book that really stands out. I've, I've read heaps of books since then, especially I don't like to call them self help books. It's just books that I am interested in in terms of I can pluck a few things out of a, a particular book that will help me. Um, but that was the first that was the first one that really stands out. Yeah.
0: God, your dad sounds so cool. Thank you, and I'll link to that book in the show notes as well. Yeah, sure. What do you do for pure joy? Something that has no goal or outcome attached. <laughs> uh, I
1: really enjoy just hanging out with my boys. Um, they, they're getting a bit older now, Katrina, um, and they sort of don't really want to hang out with the old man all that much. So every, oh. any chance I get with <laughs> any chance I get with them, it's 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 always fun. I but I you know what I do for pure joy. Um, And it sometimes relates back to work but doesn't have to. I actually really like creating um, uh, just that creative sort of uh, space with videos and and photography and um, Instagram and Facebook for me even though, yes, it is, you know, there's a bit of work there in business, I actually get enjoyment out of creating things, like, you know, in terms of videos and, and I suppose it's that artistic sort of creativity. So I've got a few mates that I um, I do some work with that, um, yeah, I just, it, it it's with a view of, just having a bit of fun and things like that and and, you know I'm lucky that there's a platform for me to just share it with so um you know when um so I do that I actually really enjoy that sometimes I'm lucky to you know that a brand might come on board and want to jump on board and it's a bit of work but I don't see it as work whatsoever and sometimes I just do it for fun.
0: Well finally Lee what are you working on right now in your confidence journey to take you to where you next want to be in life?
1: Oh, good question. Um, my confidence journey, I will. I have a couple of books. I try and finish two to three books a year with regards to um, you know, myself in terms of trying to you know, build my confidence up or learn something new. With regards to my business, uh, we're really challenging ourselves and trying to push the envelope and, and, and take it to a new level. That's my drone business. With regards to my presenting, I'm always working on that, Katrina. <laughs> I've, um, it's always, uh, it's 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 not a, it, it doesn't come naturally to me. So I'm still trying to really figure out what makes me confident in front of the camera. Like I could talk, you know, in, for, for decades, you know, with regards to cricket, but my presenting, um, I'm really working hard at that as well, just to become the best presenter I can possibly be. be. Um, and I'm just, yeah, it's, it's it's ongoing. It's never sort of one one thing in particular. But I think for me, um, you know, my books and educating myself is is always key, and then always pushing myself, um, you know, physically. So you know, the byproduct is yes, you know, I, I I look fit and all that sort of stuff. But it's it's so much more to that as well. So. Keep your eye out. I'll be doing some crazy journey in 2021. Um, yeah, 2020 it was a bit tough to do that, but I've got a couple that uh, that I'd like to do. So I, no doubt, from that little challenge, I will come out of it a lot more confident.
0: Yes, and I just have to say, just watching from afar, your evolution across various stages of your life it's just fascinating and inspiring to watch so thank you so much for being so candid and sharing so much of that with us today
1: thanks katrina as i said like this is the first chat of you know i've had with regards to confidence i've actually had to i've had to think about it for a bit which actually made me think as well you know what makes me confident so i've thoroughly enjoyed it um so thanks for having me on
0: Stay connected by following Claiming Your Confidence or me, Katrina Blowers, on Instagram. For more information on this or other episodes, head to katrinablowers.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate and review on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast app and make sure you share it with anyone you think would benefit from a confidence pick-me-up. Claiming Your Confidence is created and produced by me, Katrina Blowers. Audio thanks to Turn six podcast productions. I hope you're having a great week. Thank you for listening to Claiming Your Confidence.